This is episode 138, Don't Get Stuck in the Knot. My name is Tudor Alexander, and this is the Dance of Life podcast. Every week, my goal is to inspire you to take action towards what you love, live a transformed life, and enjoy the journey there. Are you ready? Let's go. What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me. Happy Friday, wherever this episode finds you, or Monday, or Wednesday, or whatever day of the week it happens to be. Thank you so much for joining me. I have an awesome quote I want to share with you to get us started, and that's by one of my favorites. That's Albert Einstein, and it's, If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Now, in this case, Albert Einstein was talking about being a genius, how everybody's actually a genius. And, you know, in this case, if you judge somebody uh, according to certain standards that are arbitrary, you're going to miss the whole point of their their own talents, their own skills. But uh, why I chose that quote today, it, it does tie in very well to what I wanted to talk to you about, which was don't get stuck in the knot. You know, what is that? That's kind of a a clever little play on words, but really it's it's not getting stuck in what's not happening for you, in what's not available, in what you don't have. You know, recently I had some situations, uh, you know, and I shouldn't even say recently, throughout my life, throughout my life as an entrepreneur, as a professional athlete, as a regular person just like you, you know, we all get these situations that we get into with, particularly with the people in our lives, this happens, I would say, probably with situations with, uh, you know, things or, you know, your computer doesn't work the way you want it to. But I would say predominantly where it tends to have a heavy charge is with people. You know, again, this can happen anywhere. But with people, with our interpersonal relationships, we we get we get stuck, right, sometimes when we want something from the people around us or we expect something and we don't get it. You know, and that's that's pretty common, I would say. That's something that we all go through probably on a daily or weekly basis. So it's in those times that, especially if it's something important that you want or that you expect, uh, it, it can really challenge your nerves. It can really challenge your emotions. And for me particularly, I had a couple situations uh, where my own expectations, you know, in in that particular relationship, um, and we're not talking necessarily romantic relationships here. It could be anything. It could be a, a business relationship. It could be, uh, you know, a friendship. Whatever it is, you know, we all come into our relationships with expectations. Unfortunately, expectations are just part of the game. So that's the first, very first thing before we talk about any of this stuff and how to avoid getting, you know, stuck in a rut with your own expectations. First off, I think the key is to realize, you got to realize that expectations are part of the game of being human. You know, it's something that I have to constantly uh, remind myself because, you know, look, at the end of the day, we're all going to try to be better and improve and whatnot, but you have to also be willing to forgive yourself, you know, I, like everybody else, I have expectations and I try to manage those expectations, but sometimes they're going to get ahead of me. Sometimes I'm going to expect and assume certain things uh, from the people around me. And, you know, that's not always going to lead you out down the right path. It's not always going to lead to uh, roses and sunshine. So you have to be able to, once you once you hit that point and you realize, okay, my expectations are the problem, 
you know, you get you kind of get frustrated at yourself in a sense. I think the first part is really recognize that, hey, it's okay that you had expectations. It's not a big deal. You know, that happens all the time. So self-acceptance. And, you know, sometimes you have to be very clear about your expectations. We're going to get into that too. But basically, you know, these particular situations made me realize uh, through through some resistance that I, I gained in, in some interpersonal uh, interactions that, wait a minute, you know, I'm getting stuck. You know, I'm getting stuck in... And I was feeling miserable. I was feeling upset. I was feeling annoyed. Uh, you know, I was frustrated myself, doubly frustrated, because ultimately, you know, I have this personal development podcast. I wrote a book on gratitude, the gratitude map. You know, go check it out. It's absolutely amazing. I love it. You know, I got the courses. I got all these different things. And, you know, when things like these happen to you, especially if you're you're trying your best to create a message around not doing them, you get even more frustrated. So I'm like, why, you know, why am I so miserable? Why am I feeling this way? I shouldn't, you know, be acting this way, whatever. Why do I have expectations? Why am I not managing them? And you start getting really uh, down on yourself in a sense. So that's why I was saying that self-acceptance is very important. You, know, you got to just, you know, forgive yourself for, for whatever you know, transgressions that you feel you did. That's that's the first step. But again, it made me realize that I was carrying a lot of expectations into my relationships with people and focusing on what's not, right? What's not happening, what there isn't, what they're not doing for me, what they don't have. You know, like when you're in a relationship with somebody, whatever, let's say you're in a romantic relationship, we'll use that because it's easy. But it's very easy to slip into this kind of behavior. It's like it's like when you go and you see a rose, right? It's got thorns. Well, one way to see it is it's a beautiful flower. It's got, you know, a beautiful smell. It, it looks, you know, very pleasing to the eye, that kind of thing. And another thing is to see, oh gosh, you know, there's probably bees around it. I might get stung. There's thorns coming out of it. You don't, don't touch it. You might get hurt and so on and so forth, right? So there's two sides to everything. And just like we can use that flower as an example, we can use our own relationships with the people around us. You know, you can see what the person has, uh, what they have done for you, what what positive traits they have, or you can see what they what they're lacking. You know, what they're what they're missing, what they haven't done, what they can't do, what they're incapable of, or whatever. You know, and this is a, a, a slippery slope, and it's a slippery slope because a if you've heard any of the stuff that I talk about, you know, one thing with the mind is that it it's human nature to dwell on what's negative. So why is that important? Because at the end of the day, it's a lot easier, it's a lot quicker to blame, to look at what's not happening, to, you know, go into self-preservation mode, all these kind of things. It's just a lot easier. We're, we're hardwired to think this way. So you've got to be very careful. Because the moment you start entertaining on a repeated basis what's not working for you, uh, you, you get into this, this real funk. And what that funk is, is it's basically something called cognitive dissonance. So cognitive dissonance is something that's a psychological term, but basically it's, it's the idea, it's a simple idea that we can't have two dissonant thoughts or desires or experiences at the same time, right? So you can't want to be happy and want to be sad at the same time. Sounds kind of a weird mixture of emotions, but really we live in these kind of experiences all the time. You know, all the time when you have something, for example, that you want to happen, right, and it doesn't happen, 
right? So you have an expectation or an assumption or whatever, and it doesn't happen. Then we get into this misalignment of the mind because we expected it to happen and it didn't happen. So now there's this resistance, this internal resistance of, okay, what I, what do I need to do? Why did it not happen? You know, we start asking these different questions. And depending on the situation, you know, the the outlet for action is easy or it's it's not so easy. So this is where we get into not getting stuck because what not getting stuck in the not, quote-unquote not, in, in what's not happening and what's not working for you, what getting stuck in that is basically not getting stuck in this dissonant state. You know, this is really a big formula for the rest of your life. So however you want to look at it in your own situations, these types of things happen all the time. We get into cognitive dissonance all the time because it's really simply just the misalignment of with what was inside in our minds with what's outside in reality, what's actually happening. And these misalignments, uh, they, they produce a really funky state. So we want something, but it's not happening. So now there's there's a couple things that happen here. And if you understand how to get out of it, uh, you can really save yourself a lot of frustration, a lot of time, you know, ruminating on a situation, trying to explain it to yourself, you know, blaming, wasting energy, that kind of thing. So you really can free yourself up. So this is very uh, simple in some sense, but in some sense it's not. Ultimately, when you have a cognitive dissonance experience in your mind, you aren't free of suffering until you get out of that, until you take action. So you don't have a dissonant state anymore. So basically we want certainty. We want a sense of, okay, one thing that I picked and I'm going to go with it and I'm okay with it. Right, so where we get into trouble, where we get into suffering, is when there's these two competing desires or values in our in our brain. You know, so for example, let's say somebody in your relationship, in a relationship with you, you you know you want them to text you more or something like that, or you want them to clean up after themselves. You know, we'll just use some silly little examples, but these kind of things happen all the time, and you know they don't do that. You know, for example, people like the five, the love languages, the five love languages, where you know, like physical touch or words of praise or all these types of things. You know, how we particularly, everybody has their own way of being loved, right, feeling loved. So when we don't get that way from somebody, uh, we we tend to think that hey, this person doesn't love me, or hey, there's no love here. So this is a great example because you know it's very easy to miss the love and the attention and the the positive aspects of what a person is doing for you if you're focused on let's say what you're not getting because for them maybe maybe words of praise or physical touch or whatever else or gifts maybe that's not their love language maybe it's something else maybe it's acts of service maybe it's whatever you know so that doesn't mean that they haven't been loving you right so there's there's so many ways that we miss these things because we're so focused. We have that scarcity mindset. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but because uh, that's really what this is all about. It's about scarcity. Um, so we miss those things because we're so focused on what there isn't. So when we're in that state, we don't like the fact that we didn't get what we want. And how we tend to get rid of that, because it's the easiest way, is that we blame, right? So we, we look at a situation, we don't get what we want, and we don't like that feeling. The brain doesn't like having these two misalignments. So what we do to get out of that is we blame. We say, oh, well, you know, uh, this is just that person's just lazy or they don't care about me or 
this is stupid or whatever. You know, so you put a label on it. And when you put a label on it, what that does to your mind is it gives it some sense, even in a, in a weird masochistic way, but this is the way the brain works and we deal with it all the time. It gives it a sense of stability, of certainty, of comfort in at least resolving that situation. Now, it's not resolved, and we know it's not resolved, but we settle for comfort, for the comfort of knowing and having an explanation. So our explanation is, well, you know, this is stupid, or, oh, it didn't work, or, you know, whatever. Something that's basically an opinion, something that's basically blaming an external source, because that's the easiest way to, to end action, because action is difficult. You know, if we actually look at the way to solve cognitive dissonance, to get out of being stuck in this what's not working, uh, you know, it takes effort, right? So that's the flip side. So if you want to have power, if you want to have freedom, if you want to get out of looking at things not working for you, ultimately, the only time when this is going to come up is when you receive resistance, right? If, if things go as planned, then there's hunky-dory, great, no problem. But where we get you know, where we enter the danger of getting stuck in what's not working is when it stops working. You know, when somebody doesn't do what we want them to do or uh, something doesn't happen the way we want it to happen. And that's when basically we experience resistance. So when we experience resistance, you have three choices to really deal with this powerfully. The first one is get stronger. The second is get smarter. And the third is just quit. I'm going to go through all three of those because they're all very important. They're all some sort of action. You notice that's the difference. So stronger, smarter, or quit, right? So now the difference between all three of these is that you, it's a decisive action where you align with something. You get out of that cognitive dissonance, out of that, you know, wanting something, but I can't do anything about it. You know, there's these two competing realities and you just take action. Right now, that action could be several things. It could be one of three things, and this is the dance of life. This is the dance of figuring out what is the best situation. There's no formula, you know. There is no formula, and I wish there was. I wish I could share one with you because I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, but as far as I can tell, there's no formula. But you know, that's what makes life interesting too. So the first one is get stronger when you experience something that doesn't go your way, and you know you see what you're not getting. You know what what's not working. You can get stronger, right? You push through it. That's like the masculine energy, the 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 manpower, the the force, you know, yang energy. You push through it. You get stronger. You 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 know you put more energy. You put more effort, and you you just push through. You break through. So that's one option, you know. And sometimes that doesn't always work. So the other option is get smarter. That's more feminine in the sense that you you listen. You employ more subtle things. You you wait, you have patience, you let things align better before you take action. Uh, you know, in one of the courses that I created called the Principles for a Dynamic Life, we talk a lot about this kind of stuff, and it's really fascinating to me. But one of the things, if you've heard about it, it's called Wu Wei. It's a, uh, it's a Chinese, basically an ancient understanding of when things align, that's when you take action. You don't take action when things are misaligned because you're just going to waste your energy. So it's basically being smarter. You know, in our own Western culture, we tend to relate to just pushing. Like, you got to just push it. You got to be stronger. You got to put more effort, more energy, more money, whatever it is. It's always more, more, more. And sometimes, you know, that's certainly a valuable 
part of life. You got to know how to push, but sometimes you also have to know how to draw back and listen. You got to get smarter when resistance hits you because otherwise you're just going to get an injury or you're going to waste a lot of energy, you know? So again, there's no right. This is something you have to decide in the particular situation. You know, uh, we all have a natural, or I should say dominant way that we approach situations. I'll be, you know, for me, for example, when I get resistance, my natural response is to push. You know, it's a masculine, like, okay, let me just go harder, try harder. And it's been a big lesson for me to, to, to learn to do the opposite, which is, okay, let me listen more. Let me wait more. Let me let things align more. Let me go where the flow is taking me. You know, so that's been my own personal lesson. And, you know, for you, it may be the same or it may be opposite. But regardless, you've got to know how to do both. Uh, and now the third, the third way when resistance hits you is to quit. Now, I don't talk about quitting like a powerful thing very often in the sense that, you know, quitting, we all want to quit all the time. If, if you don't want to quit something, then you're not trying hard enough. So for sure, quitting is something that in general I've talked about as, a, I guess, a negative thing. But in reality, if you look at quitting and you are totally okay with quitting, you know, quitting is only a problem when you quit, but you don't really want to quit. But you quit because of some other, you know, reason that you come up with uh, that makes you small. Like, oh, I can't do this. I'm too weak or whatever. I don't know. It's not possible anymore. Whatever. So it's something that, again, it's cognitive dissonance. So quitting is, is a problem if you quit and you quit with a cognitive dissonance about it. Because that's really ultimately when we lose power. Like when the circumstances become too much and you know, we buy into the idea that we're small and incapable and and weak or whatever else, and we can't do it, so then we quit. Yeah, that's a problem, because in your heart, you betrayed yourself. In your heart, you really wanted to continue. In your heart, if it wasn't for those situations, you would have kept going. So ultimately, there's a cognitive dissonance there, and you're going to suffer as long as you're not aligned with that. However, however, there's always a however, right? There's no absolutes. So on the other side of that coin is quitting as a powerful, like when you quit and you're okay with that and you legitimately, authentically, genuinely say, you know, this is just not that important to me. Uh, you know, it's not worth the energy to, to, to push or listen or do anything. Like I just need to let this go and move in a different direction. Uh, that's powerful too because, again, there's no cognitive dissonance there. So cognitive dissonance is when you don't have power. When you have power is when you are totally aligned with what you decide. When your mind and your decisions are one. That's it. That's the secret formula. Uh, it's not so secret, but it's it's something that we forget about because it's very easy for the mind to slip in these cognitive dissonance states. So, you know, when you have to look at your situation, your own situation now. If you're getting stuck somewhere and it's not working and you're seeing only problems, you know, the easy thing is to blame. You got to remember that. The easy thing is to blame because when we blame, we can just boom. I can just blame it with a few words in my brain or tell somebody else and we get comfort in that. It's like we're done. We're done. I don't have to take any more action because I can just say, here's the problem, you know, and I just blame somebody else for my own problems. So, it's very easy to slip in that. The other three actions, quitting, getting stronger, getting smarter, uh, they all take some level of courage. They all take some level of vulnerability with yourself, being authentic with yourself. You know, quitting powerfully, uh, it's not that easy. Quitting, just quitting is easy. 
you know, but we all know that that's not going to give you power. Quitting powerfully, coming to terms and genuinely authentically saying, you know, this is, I'm, I'm good with this. Like I can move forward, you know, move on. I can let this go. That's not, uh, that's not easy. That's not easy to do, whether it's quitting a relationship, quitting a job, quitting, you know, whatever else, an endeavor that you started. Uh, it's not easy because you generally have to be authentic with yourself. So none of those things are easy. It's a lot easier to blame. And that's why we default to that. So, you know, the key is to not get stuck in this cognitive dissonance where, you know, in my own situations that I was experiencing, like I, I was like, how do you, first of all, how do you know you're in a cognitive dissonance situation? Well, because you have this desire for something to go a certain way and it's not going and you feel powerless. So regardless of how challenging the situation is, if you have a sense of control in the sense that you have a plan of how you're going to go about it, you have a future that you're looking forward to, you have a to-do list, you have a next set of actions that you're going to take, all those things give you some sense of control. Now, we all know control ultimately is an illusion. You can't control everything. But where we feel power in life and in our situations and our problems is when we have some sense of authorship, of autonomy, of control, of direction, where we're taking action and we have some carrot to chase. This is fundamental. So when you get into a situation where it doesn't go the way you want it to, generally speaking, that resistance is going to challenge you. It's going to, it's going to give you this internal feeling of, okay, well, what do I do now? And that's when we are in the danger of losing sight of that carrot. That's when we're losing sight of that future, of the next step, of the to-do list. Those things become meaningless, whatever. So we get sidetracked. And when you get sidetracked, it's easy to get lost. And the mind's quick way out of that uh, is blaming. We just blame. It's just easier to blame. Oh, it's blame the economy, blame other people, blame the fact that they, they're just like this, they don't get it, or... You know, they don't, they're you know lazy, they don't care about me, whatever it is, you know, whatever it could possibly be, we find a way to blame. So when you're in that situation, is you don't feel powerful, plain and simple, you don't feel powerful, you don't have power because you're not acting. So find if you find yourself in that situation, if you're focusing so much on what you don't have, what you're not getting, realize that you're in that cognitive dissonance state. You know, in the book that I, I wrote, The Gratitude Map, uh, there's, there's a whole metaphor for that state, which is basically the swamp. The swamp, I wanted to make this whole, you know, the whole book is about, you know, an adventure pretty much through, through this whole realm to discover things like the obstacles to gratitude, how to build a gratitude practice. It's, it's really cool. But I got this illustrator named Doug. He did an awesome job, phenomenal job. Uh, creating the swamp, this like murky, you know, dark place where we have a danger of entering this place every day through a variety of different ways. And one of them, which relates to this episode, is scarcity. Scarcity is one of the main obstacles to being fulfilled. And in this case, you know, having a practice of gratitude, which really is the connection to being fulfilled anyway. But scarcity is the perception that you don't have enough could be not enough resources if another person isn't enough for you in some way that they're not doing something enough for you you know and this is a very slippery slope because the brain has evolved to basically keep conserving itself when you conserve and conserve and conserve 
you know, it just goes in a black hole. It's a spiral. It's a downward spiral. And, and, and it's very difficult to get out of the more you train yourself to see what isn't working. You know, because we talk to ourselves, we talk to other people. As we blame, we're not just blaming, you know, silently. We're usually complaining out loud. And that's that's another obstacle, by the way. But it piggybacks scarcity and and it starts to hardwire your brain that, hey, there's all these problems and you know, you can't really do anything about it because this, 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 you know, so on and so forth. So you start to spiral out of control and it's very dangerous because again, the brain that's that's just like default. That's an easy thing to happen. So you have to be careful. So scarcity is the source of this, you know, getting stuck in the knot or the cognitive dissonance. Some something didn't happen a certain way, so now we perceive a scarcity. Scarcity in results, scarcity in outcome, uh, scarcity in resources, whatever else. But there is a silver lining, and the silver lining that I talk about in the book uh, is the the use of courage. You know, every every one of these obstacles. There's eight total that I talk about in the book, but scarcity is one of them. I think it's like the fifth that I, that I list in there. But scarcity, they all offer some little golden treasure. You know, they're in a sense like they're opposite. They're trying to evoke, in my opinion, they're trying to evoke the opposite out of you so that you can grow. You know, and every time you, you uh, experience scarcity, and like I said, I, I go through it all the time, even though I'm doing all this stuff and trying my best to create a positive message for myself and for others. It's something I still go through every day and some little thing will happen. It'll trigger me into scarcity. And, you know, that's okay because I've gotten enough tools now to where I can work myself out of it. And that's the same for any situation in your life. It's not about avoiding the swamp. Uh, It's about being able to navigate out of it effectively when you do find yourself in there, you know. And with scarcity, the golden treasure is courage, it's basically the opposite, right? So when you feel like pulling everything in and, oh my God, everything's not working, I'm just going to pull back, I'm just going to basically withdraw and, and disconnect, do the opposite. Be more brave, be more courageous, take more risks, take more action. You know, to do, again, those three ways when resistance hits you and, you know, you get something that you don't want, whether it's from a person, whatever situation, those three options for power, remember what they are, either get stronger either get smarter or quit. In this case, quit powerfully. All three of those require some level of courage from you. You know, to get stronger is obvious. You got to just risk yourself and put more effort and and be stronger. To be smarter requires courage too, because look, at the end of the day, sometimes being patient and waiting something out or, you know, listening, um, that takes courage. You know, like if you're having an argument with somebody, and it doesn't work to yell back, obviously. <laughs> so you have to employ listening. You have to employ patience. You have to let them talk. Um, that takes courage. It really does. It's it's very difficult to let go and let somebody else take the lead, especially in an argument. My goodness. Uh, but that takes courage, you know. And quitting, quitting powerfully. You know, to quit powerfully, again, you really have to look within and give yourself an authentic audit about what's you know what drove you to do this. Have things really changed? If so, then are you authentically okay with letting this go? That takes courage, you know. So these are all linked to courage, and courage is the root of action. You know, to to take action on something means you got to have courage. You have to 
You have to use your heart. You have to jump into it. You have to take a risk, right? So being vulnerable, admitting something authentically, whatever, taking an action on on something that you don't like to be able to change it, uh, that all takes courage. And that is the antidote to the scarcity that we experience when something doesn't go our way, when somebody doesn't do what we expect them to do. You know, I'll leave you with this. At the end of the day, it's not a problem to see what's not working, right? That's not really the problem. It's not a problem to see what somebody isn't capable of, what they're not doing, what they're not going to do. You know, those things aren't the problem because in reality, if you can look at that information with a cold head, I should say a cool head, not cold as in like reptilian, you don't care type of thing. I mean cool, like a cool head, not emotional. You can look at it just logically. What that does is it allows you to know what can I count on for each person. Okay, I can count on this person to be, let's say, for example, very communicative, right, or very affectionate, or very dependable, or trustworthy, whatever, right? I can. I know I can't count on them to be dependable. I know I can't count on them to be on time. I know I can't count on them to uh, write me a text back when I say right away or whatever, right? So when you can look at that information plainly, um, that gives you power because it, it allows you to know what you can count on and what you can't. And therefore, where do you put your emotions and your energy and all this kind of stuff? However, where we get stuck is that okay, let's say I want somebody to be communicative, and they're not. I'm not fine with that. That's where the cognitive dissonance comes up. I want them to be communicative, but they're not. And so I'm just stuck in the the dual state of I want something, but they're not doing it. I want something, but they're not doing it. Do you see how it just keeps going and going, creating that problem and eating away at you? Rather than saying, okay, well, I want them to be communicative, but I can't count on them to do that. So now I have three options. I can either try to communicate to them, say, hey, can we change this behavior? Can you please be more communicative? This is why it's important to me, et cetera. See how that goes. Okay, that doesn't work. So let me try to get smarter. Okay, let me try to listen and see maybe when I communicated to them the first time about what I wanted, maybe I was a little too harsh. Maybe try to communicate in their style or maybe it was just late in the day and it was just not a good time to to ask for something like that or to have a serious conversation because that person was tired. So let me try a different day. So that would be an example of being smarter or approaching the problem from a smarter direction. Okay, I've tried talking to this person a, a hundred times now, being more communicative Uh, So now, like, it still hasn't changed. They don't really want to change it. Uh, So now, is this really that important to me? Is it really that important? Like, what is the bottom line? What is the impact that I am looking for here? Well, is it just to satisfy my own sense of comfort and subjective sense of feeling loved or whatever? Or is it actually a material impact on our business, our relationship, whatever else, right? So these are the kinds of self-evaluations that you got to go through, you know, and uh, either way, you act and you act powerfully. But again, not seeing what's not working is not the problem. So that's that's kind of the, the main thing here is that it's important to see what's not working so you can act accordingly. You know, that's useful. It's feedback. But getting stuck in what's not working because we refuse to act powerfully, we refuse to get stronger, smarter, or quit powerfully, 
uh, and instead just blame. This is the problem. So I hope that this has helped you guys out. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I love talking about this stuff, and I'm super grateful to be able to share it with you on a weekly basis. If you haven't had the chance, check out this new book that I released. It's called The Gratitude Map. Like I said, it talks about scarcity, but there's seven other obstacles uh, to living a fulfilled life. You know, the kind of things we talked about today, it's not just related with scarcity, but really it's there's a lot of other things that come into play. And living a fulfilled, a happy, a joyful lifestyle This is something that takes practice. It takes a constant reminder. And I'm grateful to be able to share this podcast, these these types of topics with you on a regular basis to help you with that. Um, And I'm also excited to share this recent book. And it comes with a program. There's a lot of free materials. There's also uh, some courses that are absolutely fantastic. You know, I'm a little biased, obviously, but they're really really awesome. And they're really going to make a difference in your life if you choose to go with them but the book is free uh there is a small shipping fee that you have to pay to actually get it produced and fulfilled but it's very small i think it's like 9.99 but the book is free and there's some other tree training free training materials and then also there's a free uh facebook group that goes with it. it's called daily gratitude practice so all these things are related you know to be successful to be happy to have a great relationship to have a good business uh you've got to avoid that cognitive dissonance you've got to avoid getting stuck in the knot and a big part of that is being grateful, you know, reconnecting to what matters in life. So check it out, thegratitudemap.com. I thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you guys pretty soon. episodes and weekly content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.